Change is one of those things that is guaranteed, constant, and most of all, unpredictable. While we're all going through it, the athletes on this week's show are truly in the thick of it, as they look to move on from the place where they first got their starts to something much bigger. Justin Knight just won his first NCAA title hot off the heels of his World Champs 5000 meter finals appearance this summer. He'll be entering into his final track season as a Syracuse Orangeman before he looks to go pro. He's coming up a little bit later, but first, Julianne Staley, the standout Queens Gales runner, is now moving on to the world of post-collegiate running, and she's already finding her stride. You're listening to The Terminal Mile at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter, a Tracky Radio production. Julianne Staley is a runner who is just starting to make the move from top-tier collegiate runner to paying dues as a post-collegiate. She put down one hell of a run in a scrappy national championship race, taking fifth overall. We caught up with her at her home in Kingston. So as as of this uh, recording, as of today, which is Wednesday, it was announced earlier this morning that you were, in fact, a uh, appointed as a member of the Pan Am uh, cross-country team. Uh, that's that's really exciting news for you. That that has to be uh, very exciting for you. A lot of athletes turn that sort of stuff down, though. What uh, what made you want to you know pursue that avenue? Um, I think it's always a privilege to be part of a national team, and all the experience you can get, I think, is is worth the worth the trip and worth the being I, just representing the country. Um, and I think especially at the stage that I'm at right now, it's kind of an in-between of post-collegiate, um, you know, post-varsity running and kind of getting into the more national level. So I think it's great to have that experience to be able to travel and um, just, and especially be on a team, a senior team like that. I think it's pretty special. That's definitely something that, that I want to talk about the whole police uh, post-collegiate thing. Um, but first, we have to talk about the race that, that got you onto that Pan Am team. Uh, it was in Kingston a couple of weeks ago, and, and by my measures, probably one of the best races uh, that I've seen for sure on that course, but definitely one of the best cross-country races that, that I've ever seen. Um, I have to know, you know, what were you thinking as you were going through that race? Um, going into the race, I was, I was pretty excited because I felt like all season I was kind of waiting for that, that opportunity to, to go. I was helping out with the cross country, the Queens cross country team this season. So, you know, traveling to races, it was, you know, you get, you get excited and that sort of thing. So being able to, you know, have the opportunity to get out there and kind of my time, I guess it was exciting. And in terms of placing, and I was really hoping the top 10 and, ideally top six to be able to make the team so um i guess on paper placing wise it was the best but looking back at times i was actually kind of surprised because um last year i had run faster and in terms of the winning time and that would have been a couple seconds off based off what i ran last year so it wasn't quick race but i think it was more a little bit tactical and it was just kind of day of everyone placed kind of differently, I guess, than what was expected. <laughs> so, um, you know, some better, some kind of back from where they had wanted to be. So it was interesting how it played out that way. I'm glad that you use the word tactical because often when someone uses the word tactical to describe a race, uh, it means that they, 
it was slow until 400 meters out and then you know all hell broke loose but that was certainly not the case uh in that race it, it seemed like the the pace just kept on picking up and picking up and uh of course exactly. for for those who don't know um it was your teammate Claire Sumner who ended up winning the race was that a discussion that you guys had going into that you know where you're discussing what your race strategies would be and maybe what the what the ideal pacing uh strategy would be for for each of you I think our coach said it right, like Steve, Steve Boyd, um, going into the race, he had mentioned, you know, just like every other year, there's going to be a pack, there's going to be a lead pack. And then all you want to really do is kind of ride the train. And um, because there's a lot of top women, it's the pressure's off you a little bit. And um, it's just a matter of holding out. And then slowly, it kind of, you know, comes down to top five, top four, top three. And then once you're there, you go. And um, amongst us, like Branna and Claire and myself, I, we never really spoke too much <laughs> specifically about pl- placing or, you know, we just did our workouts as always. And, um, but I think there was more, more excitement and less pressure going into this. And it was just nice to have familiar, familiar bodies around. And for me with the 10 K it's always, I'm always curious to see kind of how I can, better and how I can kind of adjust and such because I don't think I've really nailed that distance um still trying to figure out what it is that I really want to specialize in but it's just it's so cool to be able to see you know come day out for Claire to just win the whole thing and for Victoria to come second which is absolutely incredible I think that's pretty special so just be a part of that and now be a part of the team going to um El Salvador I'm really excited for that you know, I, I have to think uh, that at this point, most of most of the running community in Canada knows that there is something very special going on in Kingston right now. Uh, I mean, taking a look at some of your training partners, you have Claire Sumner, you have Cleo Boyd, uh, you have Claire Langley, you have the McDougals. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting people, but hey, that's that's one heck of a group right there. You guys ended up finishing <laughs> on, on top of the podium as well. One thing that really struck me was... Um, you know, we were putting stuff away, uh, myself and Steve Boyd and a bunch of other people. And Steve mentioned something about, uh, you know, the fact that Claire won would mean so much to the group because of all the people who work out with, with Claire, they're all thinking, ah, you know what? I bet I could beat her in another race. You know, it's just raising, raising confidence and raising the confidence. Do you, do you kind of see things that way? And do you, do you have a bit of a competitive or a competition going on with your teammates? I mean, it's like, it's always going to be competitive in the sense that come race day, you know, everyone wants to do the best that they can. And um, I think it's, it's just kind of a realization that you're less, I guess you're very excited for your teammates, but it's also encouraging to see them be able to perform like that and then knowing that you can train with them. So it's just, it's always kind of that team aspect is there in the sense that, you know, we train together, we we race together, we, you know, it's, you just, it's a matter of come day of, you know, who who has it. And I mean, it's, it all comes down to that, I think. So it's just, it's really exciting in that sense. And in terms of competitiveness, I think we've been really fortunate to have kind of the training group that we do. And, you know, because being being high-strung type A runners and, you know, training twice a week and doing easy runs, it can easily get um, overly competitive where it's, you know, it's no longer helpful. But, um, but no, it's, it's, been, it's been good. 
one thing that I've been talking uh, about with with people on this show, especially when talking about uh, cross country, is is the whole idea of home course advantage or of being very familiar with the with the course that you're racing on. Um, I have to think that running with Queens all these years, um, as well as working out this year and and coaching this year on that on that Fort Henry course, you, you have to be pretty familiar with it. Um, do you do you feel like that had had any you know had any effect on on the end results of the race? Um, I would like to think that you know we know the course best. We know we've trained on it, but in terms of the advantage, I think it's more so the crowds and the home community and family and friends who come. I think that actually plays more of a role because when athletes come, they, they run the course the the day before, then they get a feel for it. Like it's, you know, the fittest person is going to win, I think. So regardless of the course, I think sometimes it can play to your advantage, but I think it really is more for the people than it is the actual terrain, if, if you will. So, Hmm. Well, you know, a big, a big part of, uh, a big part of cross country nationals, um, is something that you've actually put on, uh, with Curtis Marlowe. It's, it's the rerun project, uh, where you collect lightly used shoes and, uh, distribute them, uh, amongst those in the community who, who really need them. Uh, I think ideally children and getting them into the sport is a really fantastic, uh, initiative. Uh, I want to know how how did this year go, and uh, and you know how many how many shoes do you guys have to to give out now? <laughs> yeah, no, we were overwhelmed again, and this year it was around 113 actually that we did collect. So it, it's pretty special, and I mean it wouldn't be possible without all the athletes who do donate. So a huge thank you to to everyone who did um, bring a pair of shoes and. Um, yeah, so we're around, just, I think, 830 shoes now that we've collected to date um, since we started in 2016. So it's it's great. And they've all been distributed over the last few weeks. So, no, it's really, really exciting. Obviously, um, you know, this, this Pan Am placement will, will definitely keep you busy uh, throughout the winter. But after that comes, of course, the, the spring and I know that some of your other teammates, uh, I think, you know, Cleo is going to Houston, but, but Cleo does really well on the roads. Uh, Claire Langley obviously does very well on the roads. Um, but that being said, you know, you have a bunch of teammates who also race on the track as well, too. What are you thinking of as far as the spring goes? I know you said you aren't sure what you want to specialize in, but, uh, you know, what are you thinking of as far as spring and summer goes? Yeah, so um, I still need to sit down with my coach, but I think we're going to go on the indoor season and really treat it kind of like a race race block because normally we train through into outdoors. So um, I think the focus is going to be more 15-mile range and just kind of working on the speed and then um, come outdoors, kind of get get back to the 5K and see what I can do there. So um, I've been training now consistently for quite a few months now. So, um, not that I feel like I deserve a breakthrough, but I think it's time to really start chipping away and, um, yeah, go for some fast times on the track. And, um, I think that's where I do best and the place that I have the most, um, enjoyment, I guess, running. So, you know, you've mentioned coaching and you've, uh, you've mentioned you're in this, in this weird space spot between you know collegiate and post-collegiate uh i want to know how has the coaching been doing this year and like do you feel like you have 
and almost like an added perspective to your own running now? It's actually interesting because I wasn't sure if it would complement or, you know, how that would play in terms of kind of being behind the scenes, I guess, and on the other side. But if anything, it's I've really realized as an athlete how, I guess, self-absorbed you become in some situations where you're really like not aware of kind of everything that goes on. But when you see behind that, when you see athletes warming up and you're really in your own world, and I think that is pretty special. And I think I'm always going to enjoy being an athlete more than anything. So um, kind of being on the side, it's really special. And I've been really fortunate to be able to kind of travel alongside the team and, you know, still train with the girls. But, um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, I would always take kind of that athlete position over the coach any day. You you know, you guys had such a great year, uh, you know, great breakthrough year, uh, the Queens, the, the women's team for sure. You know, what, what do you see in the future for, for that team? A win. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're at any time this year, we really wanted it next year. I think it's equally as possible. It's bringing home the banner is that's definitely on the, on the plate. So I guess you've seen both sides of it now, but you know, you know, I, I want to know your opinion on this, um, you know, going from running as a collegiate and having access to so many meets, you know, I have to think that the gap is pretty big between there and, you know, being a post-collegiate and really not having those opportunities to race at all. Do you think, do you think that con- has contributed to a large number of people, you know, dropping out of the sport, uh, you know, post their university or college days? I think it definitely plays a role. I haven't felt it yet quite as drastically, but just because I'm still in my master's and um, through funding and, you know, still being a student in that sense and being connected with the team, I have those kind of ins. But I definitely see that as being a barrier and not as much in terms of resources and um, funding and travel opportunities, but really the, the team aspect of people to train with every day, um, organized workouts and and it comes with you know starting your career getting a job and it becomes more and more difficult to kind of have that group and I think for me the biggest thing is the group of women that we have in Kingston being able to train go for runs that's huge so yeah she came fifth at the Cross Country National Championships just a couple week, uh, weekends ago at, uh, I guess we could call it your, your adopted home of, uh, of Fort Henry <laughs> up, up in Kingston, Ontario. Um, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on, and it's, it's been fantastic to, uh, to see you on the sidelines as a coach uh, and having success there, but also having continued success as uh, both an athlete and what you're doing with Rerun as well. And, uh, you know, thanks for being on the show this week, Julianne. Thanks so much, Michael. Justin Knight is no stranger to track fans in North America, making the World Championship 5,000 meter finals this past summer and finally winning his first NCAA title this fall on the cross course. We caught up with him in Syracuse. All right, man, Justin Knight, NCAA champion. That's got to sound pretty good right now. Yeah, it's uh, been a long time waiting, so it's really nice to kind of accomplish that. So, I mean, like, the NCAA championships this year, what came to mind watching that was I thought back to having Nate Brennan on the show and and having a conversation with him um, about the NCAA and how 
the NCAA really taught him to race because, I mean, as you know, he was like a phenomenal runner going in, but it was picking up those mm-hmm. race smarts and, uh, and like psychologically becoming the better racer. Would you say that it was your NCAA championship is more the factor of, you know, better preparation beforehand or just psychologically and having a better race plan going in? Um, I think, I think it might be a combination of both. Um, my coach, I, myself and my teammates, we did a, a really good job of trying to prepare for the championship this year. Um, unfortunately as a team, you know, we, we kind of all had a bad one, but, um, coach Fox, he's been really smart in the way that he's trained us. And, you know, we prepare for various different situations. And, um, I think also just like in the race, I kind of, I wasn't really feeling too good after 4K. I had a cramp, but um, I didn't let that hold me back, and I just had to, you know, execute the race plan. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Have you have you had a chance to watch the race back yet? Oh, yeah, I've watched it. I've watched it. I think I watched it uh, once since, uh, since that championship weekend. <laughs> so, you know, I've met you once, but, I mean, I think – I got the idea that who I met when I met you in person was exactly who I thought you would be. And, and that being a very humble person, you know, a very gracious person. Uh, so when I saw that Selly, you know, just as you're crossing the line, I was like, you know what, if he's going to do it, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with this. Was, did you have that, did you have that planned going in or was it just like super organic? You know, was it hitting you uh-huh. as you crossed the line? It, it wasn't it wasn't planned. I think um, I was at ACC's and I did that celebration already before um, at the ACC championship. Um, I'm not usually the one to kind of celebrate once I cross the line. Uh, ACC championships. The reason why I did it during cross country this year is that um, one of the camera guys told me to do something cool as I cross the line. So <laughs> I came up with that celebration and then. Um, I think an NCAA championship, as far as I, I was concerned, like I wasn't feeling too good um, after 4K, so I was cramping up and stuff, and I felt like the way I fought back into like you know take care of business and just get that championship gold. Um, when I was crossing the line, you know, it was a big deal for my school. It was the first time in school history that we had an individual NCAA champion, so you know. It says cues right across my chest, so I was just letting everybody know that you know uh, this type of dominance is here to stay. And you know, Syracuse cross country is now uh, you know an elite uh, cross country school. For sure, for sure. So I'm I'm just gonna take a guess and say that you've probably taken some pretty serious downtime uh, since NCAA's. How long of a season yeah. has it been for you? I mean, like, have you been going strong since Worlds? Oh yeah. Um, after <laughs> it's been a really long season. I'm I'm really proud of myself that I was able to, um, you know, bounce back as well as I did. Um, after Worlds, I took you know probably just about like two weeks off, and maybe it was a week. It was either a week or two weeks, but um, I took two weeks off, and then I went straight back into training. And you know, we kind of eased into things, but you know, I kind of just hopped in with my team. I didn't race though, but um, I was just slowly building up. Uh, mileage and like nothing serious like I was running like maybe like 40 miles and I got back up to 
155 by uh, NCAA championships. And to be honest, towards the end of the NCAA's uh, cross-country season, I felt like, you know, I was starting to warm up and finally get my speed back and be, like, uh, a lot stronger, like where I expected myself to be. But, um, you know, Coach Fox and I both know that rest is very important. So he gave me three weeks off. Um, I'm coming to the end of this is my third week off from training, just sitting around getting fat, you know, playing basketball <laughs> and stuff. And um, I know this is what I got to do to make sure that my body's healthy for the rest of the season. Uh, the rest of my team's running and they're, you know, they're starting up their season, but you got to take the appropriate amount of time to make sure you're recovered. Definitely, definitely. How I saw that you picked up a what was it like a a, a, bland, a brand new PlayStation just the other day. How, how's that uh, yeah. going? Are, are like, would you say that you're a better um, basketball player in real life or or on the 2K? Oh my god! So I was <laughs> I was playing 2K with a barstool cues actually, and well, first of all, I think I'm in basketball. I'm pretty nice. <laughs> 2K, I'm pretty nice too, but. Um, I just bought a new system. I bought the PS4, and I got um, NBA 2K for it. And it's been a while, and like it's kind of different and stuff, so I'm getting used to it. And uh, Barstool Cues asked me if I wanted to, you know, come on their show and play against one of the other uh, Barstool guys. And I kind of went into it thinking, like, you know, you know, I grew up playing 2K, so I, I should be able to hold my own. Like these guys probably like saw that I, I played 2K and just figured, like, hey, does somebody want to play with them sort of deal. Uh-huh. And I walked in, and I got slapped. Like, it was not even <laughs> funny. And these, like, I was so embarrassed because it was, like, almost like these kids played every single day. Like, they were so good. And I was the Raptors, and they were the Celtics. And um, it was pretty embarrassing, but, yeah. <laughs> is, is that something that, that you're planning on doing when, when you get back to Toronto, you know, taking it in a rap skin before you head back to Q's? Yeah, um, I'm definitely going to work on my game a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I also have to take an online course, too, so I, I won't be uh, too free with my time. For sure, for sure. I mean, going back to Worlds for a second, I mean, for for everyone watching at home, that, uh, that preliminary race, you know, the semifinal, you know, just watching you put on that extra little bit of speed at the end, how I mean, like you must not have felt intimidated at all, even looking across the line at all those guys. How did how did you get so comfortable in in such a high caliber race like that? Um, I think you know it was weird. Uh, <laughs> I think just going into that race in general, I you know it wasn't that I was confident, but I kind of went into the race where I felt like I truly had nothing to lose. You know, um, I'm not a professional runner. I'm not sponsored by any sort of company uh, I'm not expected to do tremendously well or anything or you know a lot of people didn't even expect me to make the finals and I just went into the race not even nervous just like wow this is cool like this is a pretty big crowd I'm racing in front of and I remember like with a lap to go I think I was only like maybe two seconds off from the leader but I was you know maybe 12 places back mm-hmm. and I remember thinking to myself saying, you know, you have a pretty good kick if 200 meters comes around and you're still two seconds behind, like, you know, you can possibly make the semi, I mean, not make the semifinal, but you can possibly make it through the semifinal and 
go on to the finals. And uh, so said, so done. Uh, with 200 meters to go, I found myself in the same spot. And then um, I just saw the guys in front of me. And I was, you know, I have tremendous respect for them. Like Eric Jenkins is, you know, he's an NCAA legend. And, you know, Mo Fair is amazing too um, internationally. And I just said, you know, you only have this experience once in a lifetime, so you might as well try to give it your all and see what you can do. And um, I was fortunate enough to have a good showing. How key was it to have, uh, you know, Mohamed uh, also going into the finals, you know, someone that you could talk with, someone who has a little more experience just to, you know, bounce things off of going in, into that into that finals race? Oh, having Mo around, it was, it was awesome. Even, like, for the semifinals, just... Um, just having someone there, and he's a great guy too. Like I honestly look at him kind of as like an older brother. Um, even aside from me making this team, Mo has always extended his uh, his kindness out to me, and it's always been there and ha- had great advice to give me, and he kind of helped me grow as an athlete in general. And just um, having him there in the finals and like racing alongside, finally becoming teammates. Uh, kind of made me feel a bit more comfortable and I you know I felt like we've been teammates for a while um during that short experience but um it was just great to be racing alongside with him you know we, we were talking about uh just just before we we came into the interview <laughs> we were talking about how in fact yes you are a student athlete and uh you have a lot of the same pressures and and that sort of stuff uh that regular students have and that you have exams you have assignments um yeah. I mean, here you are, you're running in, you know, world level races and then coming back to Syracuse. How do you, how do you juggle training and school and, and all that sort of stuff? And, and I would have to imagine some media commitments as well, too. How do you, how do you juggle all that, uh, together? Um, you know, I have a great support system here for me at, uh, at Syracuse and, you know, I have a great family behind me too. Um, my mom and dad, uh, they always have open ears, you know, anytime I feel stressed, whether it's school-wise or you know, just other things in my life, you know, they're always there for me and I'm thankful for that. And then um, at school, the academic department, um, they've, they've been really good for me. They always make sure that I have the appropriate tutors for my classes to make sure that, you know, even when I do travel, um, I have someone that can help catch me up on my information that I've missed in class and you know, obviously, uh, <laughs> running without having to go to school would be very ideal and everything, but, um, you know, I made a commitment for four years, and, you know, it's just something that I have to get through, and, you know, a lot of people in the NCAA, they have to do it too, so um, I don't think about it too much as being a, <laughs> a drag, but um, it's, it's just been a, a good experience, and I think, you know, next year when I do become a professional athlete, Oh, just having more time on my hands and not having to deal with schoolwork and stuff, it could probably give me a little bump too. <laughs> that uh, that really nicely leads into my next question because, you, you know, the idea has been bounced around a lot uh, out there. You know, where is Justin Knight going to train? And obviously you have a very good relationship with, with Coach Fox, but you also just mentioned uh, Mohamed as well. So you don't have to tell us outright, but if you could maybe... Tell us if uh, a coach with a name that rhymes with Mary Gloomacher has been, you know, sending out a couple feelers, and and maybe you might be heading out to Oregon next year. 
Um, no, I haven't. I haven't really thought too much about you know where I'd be. Um, the one thing I try to do and what what I hold myself responsible for is just you know you got to run fast enough where you know coaches like <laughs> I don't even remember the name you gave them, but <laughs> uh, you know coaches of that level um, they want you to be a part of their program. And to me, um, you know, it's just like being recruited to the states all over again. If you run fast enough, you know those calls and those emails will come. So, um, you know, I've bumped into, I, I've met him before because, you know, he was at World 2, he coaches Mo, and mm-hmm. um, he seems like a very nice guy. But um, as far as I'm concerned, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't really concern about that too much. I just make sure that, you know, as a person, I'm a, I'm a likable guy and, you know, I run fast enough where um, any coach would want to coach me or something <laughs> that makes sense well hey then let's look a little shorter term uh we're heading into indoors very soon uh obviously ncaa outdoors is a non-championship year so you can really put a lot of focus into that sort of stuff what are some goals that you've set your for yourself uh, you know over the next half year um yeah i mean you know once you win an ncaa title i i don't think it's uh bad to say that you want to win another one so uh definitely i feel like since i've coming to the NCAA, my goals have always been to win a NCAA title, so I'd like to, you know, get uh, an indoor title and an outdoor title as well. Um, I do want to lower my PRs in the mile and 3K hmm. indoors, and also outdoors, I think I can also lower my 5K time and my 1,500-meter time, so... Um, that's what I'll be working on this year and obviously trying to do it in like the, the healthiest way possible where my body doesn't get overwhelmed. But, um, uh, I think it's going to be a fun challenge. I'm really glad that you finished that the way you did because you started off that, that, um, that answer by saying, you know, once you've won one NCAA title, I thought what was next coming next is now I can just retire and get fat and play, you know, 2k for the rest (laughs) of my life. (laughs) That's only for three weeks out of the year. After that, I gotta get back to work. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I I know some people would be very upset if I didn't ask you, but uh, you know, next year's is a qualifier for World Cross again. Um, you, you haven't come see us in 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 Kingston yet, man. Is is that on the plans I, for next year? Uh, I know I I have not been back, and trust me, I love running cross country. Um, it'll it'll be interesting. I think. Uh, I, I wouldn't be opposed to running cross country nationals, but um, I'll definitely have to see you know w- which group I join or or who's coaching me and uh, make sure that we we plan so that my development uh, will continue to increase. And definitely, you know, after I'm done running cross country here at Syracuse, you know, that's NCAA championship's not going to be my last. Uh, cross-country race but i i'm just trying to make sure that in the future that i'm able to represent canada at the highest level make sure to make everybody proud so um we'll see what happens you know i wouldn't be opposed to it but uh i can't tell you the answer until uh (laughs) i figure out what's going on with uh who i'm running with next year so oh that's fair enough that's fair enough 
Hey, you know, yeah. we've we've talked about music in the past and um the Grammy nominations for for rap album of the year just recently came out. Uh you know, there's Migos in there which is eh, whatever. I'm I'm not fussed yeah. on it. Uh but like Kendrick put out an amazing album this past year. Uh Jay-Z put out probably his best work in my opinion since well in a very long time, probably yeah. predating Blueprint three, I would say four 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 is is four forty four is is up there. Um, Drake's name not there. He didn't submit more life. If he did, yeah. do you think do you think that it ranks up there with you know with Jay's and, and Kendrick's album? I do. I think uh, definitely. I I think that Kendrick probably would have won. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just based off of what I think society's opinion is. But, uh, you know, you know, Drake always has my vote. It doesn't really matter what he puts out, but, <laughs> uh, but I think Kendrick would have won. Drake would have been a hard second and then I'd give Jay-Z third and Migos, I guess. Last place. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. What is, what is in Justin Knight's, uh, earbuds these days? Uh, around these days, I, I'd be listening to, Travis Scott, um, Future always has albums coming out every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I always keep Drake in my playlist and everything. Um, I'm pretty excited. I think at 12 o'clock tonight, uh, Metro Boomin and Big Sean's coming out with a, a little collab album. So I'll, I'll be up downloading that tonight. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I, I can tell you guys how it is later. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's what's on my playlist right now. Um, you know, Chris Brown sneaks his way in there every now and then. Justin <laughs> Bieber wasn't a fan at first, but I, uh, you know, ever since Purpose, he's he's really grown on me. <laughs> oh, I'll have to look up that that Big Sean joint. Uh, I haven't I haven't heard anything about it, but that actually sounds really promising. Hey, man, I realize yeah. I, I realize you're super tired, and uh, I'm really appreciative of it. And uh, you've always been super supportive of this show, and I really thank you for it, man. Oh, of course. And uh, no worries. I- I kind of like talking with you. Kind of woke me up a little bit. I'm now like walking around in my room, kind of <laughs> cleaning up a little bit. But uh, thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, both Julianne and Justin, as well as Tracky for their ongoing support. If you like this show, be sure to go to SidiousMag.com and check out our new series, Something in the Water: The Story of the Speed River and University of Guelph track and field teams. If you want to find us online, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at The Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and of course, Tracky.ca. Big thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Mm -hmm.